Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'm going to call what I'm sharing with you tonight the gift of hope. And uh, as I was thinking about this, my imagination started to run away with me, which it does all the time. And uh, you can just be seated. I'm not going to read my scripture right away. But many, 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 many years ago, when I was just a child, maybe about five years old, four years old, and my brother was probably, he's much older than me. He was six at that time. And... uh, I remember mom and dad taking us to see Santa Claus. And uh, it was a pretty special event at that time. We were really involved in that. And uh, we were, we wholeheartedly believed there was a guy that was going to come down our chimney and eat all those cookies that were left on the table and drink the milk. We really believed it. And I remember how we would... uh, sit on that man's lap, Santa's lap, and we would tell him all the things that we wanted. And you know what? I never ran out of things to ask for. Nobody had to say, well, did you have to really think about it for a while? No, I had a list. And after we would leave, I and my brother, would we'd have anticipation. Wow, I got, I got my request out. I... I told that guy what I wanted, and I'm hoping that it's there on Christmas morning. And maybe like in your home, we, uh, we didn't open gifts until early in the morning. And that was a hard, nobody was allowed out of the room until dad gave the sign. And I could never ever remember asking Santa for socks. And I, I looked and I thought, in pajamas? Why would I ask Santa for pajamas? I was asking for bikes and this and toys. And, and so, in a way, Christmas was a letdown in, in the sense that I had all that anticipation, I had all that excitement, and I had all that hope. But it all turned out to be things that were things I needed. And as I thought about it, I said, really, things haven't changed in our lives, except we've stepped away from one man and looked at another. And how oftentimes we we come to the lap of Jesus and we're all excited about asking him for this and for that. and, And then what really happens is We don't get what we ask for, but we get what we need. And uh, we've talked about the difference between a want and a need. And many of the things that we seek God for are uh, a need, our wants, not just needs. Now, the world sometimes causes that same disillusionment. We may elect a president. We may... uh, have a change in our life and we really expect 
everything to fall into place. This is the day my ship has landed in the harbor. My plane has took off today. But it never seems to be the way that we thought it would be. See, the world will always seem to let you down. It'll build you up to let you down. But God does not. He says his words will never pass away. His words are yea and amen. Now, we quote a scripture many, many times, and I think you've quoted it as much as me, probably, talking about what saves us as Christians. We go back to 1 Peter 3 and 21, and we'll be the first ones to lift up our fist and preach. The like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us. But did you know there's, uh, that's, there's something else that falls into that basket of salvation that we oftentimes forget that is required just like baptism is? Paul speaks to the Romans in Romans 8 and 24 and he says this, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope for what a man sees. Why doth he yet hope for it? Do you realize that hope is part of your salvation? If you lose your faith and you lose your hope and if you lose your vision, you wander around in darkness, destitute and afraid. Hope is a part of our life. It was ingrained in us even as little children. I go back and I into the book of Isaiah and I told someone the other day as I'm reading my Bible through that, that I have another favorite book. And that's uh, in the Old Testament would be the book of Isaiah. It has to be hands down. Right from the beginning all the way to the end. It's got, it's got the good, bad, and the ugly, but a lot more good than the ugly. You know, at the time that Isaiah was prophesying, the world was full of darkness and gloom and despair. You had the Assyrian captivity, the Babylonian captivity. You had one battle after another. You had the period of the judges that had passed by where it seemed like we'd get everything under control, the, the air of money and prosperity, and then Trump was diselected. Oh, I mean, things change. And it was a peak in a valley and a peak in a valley. But it seemed in the Old Testament that there were many more valleys than there were peaks. And people were looking for something to have hope in. I talked to a, a person the other day that was uh, not feeling really well. He had a, a, a account in his health that was a big struggle for him. And he said, I just felt like I didn't even have the strength to go on. It was so overwhelming that I, I just felt like I had nothing to hold on to. But I said, you know what you, we all have to hold on to? 
even in the darkest pit, even Jeremiah's pit of despair, we have hope that even when we're surrounded by darkness and bleakness and, and all the terrors of the, of the world, that God has placed within us something that will take us through to eternity. He has placed faith in your heart, but as important as faith is, hope is as important as it. I believe if we could make a family, faith and hope would be brother and sister. We go back and I... I read um, a little bit about that period in Isaiah 8 and 21 and 22. It says, And they shall pass through it, hardly be stead and hungry, and it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look Upward, and they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness and dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Man's hope is built on what he expects or what he desires to happen. But the Bible never allows the child of God to build his hope on the earth because the earth is temporal. These things will pass away. But we are to build our hope upon the foundation of God himself, which changes not and fails not. So I'd have to say and ask you the question tonight, where's your hope today? Is it that Santa Claus hope that you have that You've, you've sent out your request and you're hoping that your job changes and you're hoping that your bills are paid and that your health lasts and that your family's safe. Is it built upon things that you're trying to achieve for yourself or do you incorporate into your hope God and his hand of mercy, grace, and compassion? In Christ There is always hope. Always hope. Those people back in Isaiah felt that the world was quickly coming to an end. And I believe that this message is very appropriate for the day in which we live right now. A lot of people see the things changing in the financial markets and in health care and all of these other things, I, w- I was reading, my wife brought an article home from work from the Sentinel, which I don't usually read, and it was talking about how they cannot fill us, the staff in nursing homes. I don't know if you saw that, it was on the front page. And a third, if I'm correct, a third of the beds in nursing homes are lie empty because there's no one to stock to staff the nursing home. And that's not just nursing homes now. It's staff wherever you go. I wondered if those people that supported abortions realized that when the baby boomers started to retire, they needed people to replace them. 
I wonder, and this is just my philosophy, and I'm just going to throw it in there. I wonder if we had those millions and millions of babies that were aborted, if they were still alive today, if we would, not, if we would have the shortages that we're having now. I don't think so. Now, that's just my, my opinion. But let me go back to Isaiah, unless I don't get too political. But Isaiah was the torchbearer for that nation that brought light into their dark situation. You go to Isaiah 9 and 2, it says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. I was, I was at the hospital this afternoon and I looked on one of the, the walls. It had a little billboard, like a little sign, and it says, the true nature of a man is like a stained glass window. When the, dark, when the light stops shining through the stained glass window, it's the integrity of a man that allows the beauty of the glass to shine through at night. It's his light of integrity. And I began to wonder, this light that the Bible's talking about, those that sat in darkness are going to see a great light. This light will never, ever be turned off. Because not only is it an external light that shines from the outside, but it's a light that originates in the heart or the soul of the believer through the Holy Ghost. Think about it. He says, I am the light of the world. And if Christ be in you, no matter where you are, even if it's a dark valley of the shadow of death, you're going to have light shining forth from you because your spirit cannot be extinguished unless you allow it to be. Then Isaiah goes on to uh, verse 6. I'm reading from verse 2 of Isaiah 9. And this is a verse that we're real familiar with. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. A child would be born, the scripture said, that would bring hope into the hearts and lives of the hopeless. Now let me just sort of tease you a little bit. Pastor Cordell talks a lot about reaching the lost. And that's why we're here, by the way. Otherwise, God would have us home in heaven. If the harvest was done, why would we be here? There's a harvest still to be plucked. In the devastation of not only the, the sin of the world, but of the lives of those that are walking in darkness, God has given us something to provide hope assistance, assurance, and direction to those that are wandering around in darkness. I have the gift, the true gift. A lot of people advertise that they've got it, but I as a born-again son of God have the true gift that keeps on giving. And those that sit in the dark really appreciate a candle every now and then. But I have to let my light shine. 
<laughs> ever have your lights go out in a storm? You know what I learned? Okay, I'm, I'm going to watch the time, but I just want to relax and talk to you too. The last time the lights went out, I have a generator, and I thought, well, I hate to go to all the trouble to get the generator out and hook it up if the lights are going to go on in a few minutes. And, you know, you hem-haul, like, how long is this going to be? But I, I looked at my wife, and I said, you know, one of the things that I, I miss the most right now, and we both miss, is, yeah, we'll keep the freezer closed and the refrigerator closed, but I have a well pump. And I can't get water. I can't even flush the toilet. And I said, honey, if you got to go, you're going to have to go outside. I didn't say that. But I, I realized we had no way to flush. So the other day, when they said big wind coming through, I went downstairs and filled the sink as full of that big sink in the basement. I was never, I was not going to be caught off guard again. Because my generator will run the house, but it won't operate the well pump. Got to get that fixed. Got to get that fixed. So it, it's being prepared for what you know will eventually happen again. And it will happen again in, in our lives. And I'm not just talking about uh, wells and electricity. I'm talking about problems. We have to make sure that our connection and those things that we need to survive are close at hand. Not when it happens, but before it happens. I really do believe that Jesus came to pierce the darkness so that we might live and not die. The word of hope that we preach and we deliver to the world. That word of hope is Christ. It's Jesus. That's why the Bible says that we should preach in none other name. Because he is the true hope of the church. And up until the time of Bethlehem, the world did not have a hope. It had the law. It had the ceremonial law and all these, the, the judgment of the law. But it didn't have hope. So when I look at Christmas, I realize that light pierces the darkness of the law and brings light into the world and provides vision and hope of the future. I was talking, I don't want to mention names lest I am Barry, but I was, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, you know, I get so tired of my body. It keeps talking back, one thing after another. This aches, that aches. It's like a little kid constantly complaining. Oh, just shut up and leave me alone. But I, my hope isn't in this thing. Do you know that it could be in a couple hours, a week, or a month, a year? I will have a body that will never, ever experience pain again. There'll be no arthritis, none of this other stuff that you wrestle with. I have to, when I am going through my physical afflictions, have to rely on the hope that God gave me. You know, Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, he, he has a, a little prophecy in Luke, the first chapter, verse 67. 
I'm going to read a few more verses than I might usually read, but I want you to listen to this. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which which have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high, I like that, where the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You ever wonder what your ministry is? You're not a singer, you're not a preacher, you're not a teacher. You know what your ministry could be that's even more important than that? You could be a light provider. I remember even when the car broke down, the old 66 Ford wagon that we had, my job was one of the most important jobs on the side of the road. You know what I did? I didn't have a wrench. I held the light. And Dad could not fix the car without the light. And you might feel that you're insignificant because all you've got is just a little light. (laughs) I'll be honest, when I get called out to the hospital now, and I really love being back to work, I really, really do. I look at my visit as I drive there and I say, Lord, I don't know what I'm walking into. All I know is that they need me. I want you to shine forth from me in that dark situation. Whatever it is, let them see the light of truth and the light of compassion shine through me, through what I might say or what I might not say. We are light bearers. We bring forth hope to the hopeless. We bring a vision to those that have lost their way. My Bible tells me that Jesus is the lamp. His word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. Light is essential in us making it to heaven. Christmas is a time of hope. It's a time of wonder. It's full of wonder because light entered into a dark world and brought hope to a world that was lost. What can hope accomplish in a man's life 
What credit would a man give for just an ounce of hope when he's totally depressed and discouraged and lost? That hope only comes through Christ. Another scripture that we quote a lot is Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But notice what the true gift of God is. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our world, our Lord. The gift of the world is death. The gift of the light giver is eternal life. Why people would take darkness over light, I have no idea, unless it's that because their deeds are evil. Jesus came, and we don't preach about this like we used to years and years and years ago. I remember Brother Tamil preaching about hell sometimes more than he talked about heaven, about how God has come to deliver me from a place of torment. And he's, he's built a house for me in heaven. And he would use Matthew 25 and 46 where it says, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. He would get up behind the pulpit and he'd say, you know what? If you're born again, you have been delivered from eternal damnation and torment and given eternal life. That's right. That's right from heaven right now. He's calling. He's saying amen. It ain't me. God came to give us a heavenly home. You know, some people say in this world, my, they get real depressed because they don't have a nice home. They've had their lot in life, and some of them have terrible lots in life where they, they live in poverty. And it has nothing to do with whether they tried or not. It might have been somebody that was involved in an accident and was unable to work, and they go from one extreme to another. But you know what? We need to go to people like that and say, there's a place in heaven reserved for you. And I know it's not going to be like something down in Beverly Hills or whatever. This is a place that we can't imagine. Jesus said in John 14, verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's to provide hope for you. That scripture is something for you to hold on to when you feel hopeless. I have an inheritance. I know my kids are saying, how long are you going to hang around, Dad? I want the house. I, got, I, I need that place. I can't store everything in my garage anymore. I've had, I won't tell you which one, said, hey, Dad, can I have the house? I said, well, you're going to have to fight with Jason over it. <laughs> oh, I think I said who it was. <laughs> and they're already looking forward to their inheritance. And I'm saying, can I enjoy it a little while before you think about taking it away? But, you know, I have an inheritance that I'm, I'm drooling over to. I have an inheritance in heaven. When Jesus died... I was in the will. Woo! First, Pe <laughs> First Peter 1 and 4 says, 
he declares to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So wipe that frown off your face. You might feel like a pauper now, but there's something that's held in store for you, and I want you to put your hope and trust and faith in that. It's not a Santa Claus. Santa Claus lets people down, but Jesus fails not. You know, I, we had this event in Waukesha, and this has been a big thing because a lot of people said we, they need counseling, and you know what? They do. Some of the stories that I heard that night when I was at Aurora, and we were dealing with the people that were coming in from Waukesha, the families, I don't want to share them. But some of the stories were really heartbreaking. And I thought, how do people... Let me give you one example. Husband and wife walking in the parade together. The car comes by. One is hit, the other stands straight. It just caught the one. And one dies and one lives. How do you deal with that? So you need a counselor. And I know we've got this grief support group, and I am totally for it. I am really fired up about that. I think it's a great course. And you're gonna, there's everybody in this room has someone that they've lost more than likely that was precious to them. And you're, you're probably still grieving, even though you don't sense it as much as you did. It wasn't as fresh. But I have a counselor in heaven. Ever use him? It's quite a conversation at times. Jesus has the spirit of counsel upon him. Notice it says in Isaiah 11 and 1 and 2. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit, look at this, of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of counsel rests on him. Do you need a counselor? Yes, we, there's people that are trained to help you, but there's no counselor like that counselor. There's no friend like that friend. There's not a light like that light. There's not a peace that you can get outside of his peace that is that great. Matter of fact, John, when he's writing in Revelation, the third chapter, verse 18, says this, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. God has the answer for all the problems concerning life. I counsel you to buy of him the pure gold. 
You know what the pure gold is? It's the gold that's tried in the fire. <laughs> Again, and I, I am watching the clock. Um, I remember Brother Frank, I remember, he was such a great preacher. I remember how he talked about pure gold. He says, a lot of the gold that people see isn't, isn't the purest sort of gold, like those, those gold blocks that they have down in Fort Knox. They, that could be called pure gold. But gold refined in the fire over and over again actually becomes almost transparent. The refined gold, buy of me gold tried in the fire. Each time the gold inside of me is tried in the fire of trial, the impurities are removed and the more transparent I become. So buy of me gold tried in the fire. I know that for some, and Christmas is a time of stress and confusion, and I'll be the first to admit that I, there's some parts of Christmas that I really don't enjoy. I don't enjoy going into Costco and having people knock me over, push me around, be rude, and all these other things because they're so stressed out. You get into the parking lot and people are so in in a fervor over trying to accomplish tasks that they've placed upon themselves, by the way, that the joy has been removed. You know what would make me happy? And I'm an old guy, old geezer. My idea of a perfect Christmas would be the grandkids, just before they go to bed while they're dreamy-eyed, so they're not throwing all the toys around and all that other stuff. A fire in the fireplace, popcorn and lights. Does that sound good after a good meal? I don't need a lot. And I guess the older we get too, the, I can tell how old you are by when people ask you what you want for Christmas. If you're old, you say, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what I want. I got everything that I want. And you know what? The older you get as a Christian, it happens to you too. You know what I really want this year from you, Lord? As I want you around me all the time. I want to talk to you nonstop. I want, I want to feel you and feel your peace. That's what I want, Lord. You don't need to... Get me a new car or a new house or anything like that. I just want you. And someday, Lord, I want to live with you forever. I don't ever want to have to walk out from your presence. Have you ever said that? I just want to live with you forever. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. You know where our peace comes from? It comes from his chastisement. You know where our healing comes from? It comes by the stripes that, were born, that he bore upon his body. He paid a price for me to have what I have. And I'm going to stop here, but I want to, I want to read this last 
scripture with you, and I'm going to jump ahead. It's found in Hebrews, the 17th chapter. Sixth chapter, verse 17, I'm sorry, Hebrews 6 and 17. Wherein God willing, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the inutility, immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God assures us of an unchangeable hope in Christmas. An unchangeable hope. And then the last verse, Philippians 4 and 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It will keep you. And unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the throne of his grace be glory and honor forever and ever. So if you'll stand with me tonight, I, I hope that you, you got the theme of this today because there's a lot of people and, and it's really not complicated. Revival's really not complicated at all. You just give something to someone that something that someone needs to them. And sometimes you have to show them their need because they, they can't seem to focus on why they feel the way they feel. I bring them hope. I bring them a vision of how things can be and will be forever and ever. And that hope is in him. Lord Jesus, tonight as we stand here, Lord, and this Christmas season, as we go through the, the plans that we have and all of the pressures that some of us will go through and endure, help us realize that the true gift that we have received and that cannot be taken away from us is the hope that you've placed in the world you were the day star. You were that bright and shining light that shone through the darkness of our loss. And, and you brought us a vision of what will be. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965 5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.